you've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. It helped me connect with people and helped me, and that, that even helped me in like my professional life when I dealt with um, just anybody. When I dealt with people at the store, you know, if someone's having a hard time in line at the store, at the cashier, you know, I, I have a calmness to myself because of, of that kind of peace and love and dance and drugs type of mentality um, of the race scene. So, it, I mean, it has, I have to admit, it brought more good than harm. I mean, it put me at risk. It, it put me at tons of risk. Um, it may have it may have taken a bunch of brain cells <laughs> from me, um, but ultimately, it like if you want to talk spirituality, it like it it made my I don't want to say soul, um, but like it made like the spirit of my or my energy into a more peaceful person. Hello and welcome to Drinks with God, a podcast about alternative theological experiences, death, and life. All of the following content is based on each interviewee's own personal experiences and is meant to be educational, not confrontational. of Drinks with God. This is the one in which I lose half my audience because most of you came here to listen to nuns and priests talk about how they talk to uh, angels and how they uh, got into the cloth. But today we're going to talk about a different kind of ritual. Um, I've got to, I've got with me today Nicholas Tannock, and we're going to mostly be talking about his book, The Coolest Way to Kill Yourself. Hello. First off, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate as a audio geek, completely off topic from what we work from what we're going to be actually focusing on today. How much I appreciated the constant band references. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure there were like twenty a page, and that you could like make a mixtape that was going to be like three days long, just off of the what you mentioned in the book line by I line. I stopped the book in the middle. And put it do a music roll call. <laughs> that was one of the the taglines that I did to advertise the book was it's a it's a book full of um, hard drugs, kinky sex, and, and and an endless amount of music references. <laughs> if you don't know what to listen to, just flip to a random page in this book, and it'll have like song <laughs> artists. All right, I'm going on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, um, that was some some of the some people criticized the book because of that. Um, but anybody who's a music head, like I listen to, for example, Tom Sharpling, the best show yeah. um, on WFMU, or it was on WNAS, now it's just the best show with Tom Sharpling. Yeah. There, there's an endless amount of music references there, and I tend, I, I was a, I was the kid who lived in the record store, and yeah, music is just such an important part of my life, and I love all kinds of music, like any genre you can think of. I appreciate the creativity. Um, you know, I can, I can try to find beauty in it. And I just, oh man, I just, my record collection is insane. <laughs> yeah, I've, 
my record collection has uh, risen and fallen over the years, uh, and I've randomly stumbled in and out of a couple bands. That is a, a tale for another podcast. <laughs> well, hey, let me ask you a question. What have you been listening to the last couple of days? Um, I've been listening to a lot of The Fuss, uh, Man Man, I've gone a weird Man Man kick, Gil Landry, okay. Crow. Okay, nice. I've been listening to um, the new Sweet Spirit record, the new record by Giant Dog. Um, Coco Haynes of the Ets came out with a um, solo record. She actually read my first, my, not my first book, my uh, one of my books called Chip Black Nail Polish, yeah. and she sells it in her store down in Nashville, which oh, is nice. kind of cool. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm waiting, actually, because I finally got around to getting the new album Belfry by Mesa. Just, oh really? I didn't hear it. I'm not, uh, I, gotta, I gotta check that out. Man. I always love hearing news, hearing about new bands, and hearing you know just being referred to other things and stuff like that. Well, <laughs> no, I listen to a lot of like uh, psychedelic metal. Cause... I love psychedelic. <laughs> I love psychedelic music. Like um, you know, Slowdive has a new album out, which is um, which is which is pretty good. Um, that's very psychedelic. I used to, because I used to do a lot of drugs, so I used to like trip out and listen to My Bloody Valentine and Slow Dive and Spaceman Three, stuff like that. <laughs> a lot of my records, like I'll be like listening to it, and like um, someone will come in and they'll just be like, "This did Led Zeppelin like Matt do a cover? Of, what is this?" And I'm just like, "No, this is this is Limestone Whale. They're Scandinavian." <laughs> Speaking of metal, what do you think? Do you ever see the show Metalocalypse? Yeah, I think it's hilarious on um, one I, of the on one of the dvds there's a there's a there's a, um an easter egg uh-huh. and it's a 10 minute long thing of what's his name nathan the lead singer yeah yeah of him doing an audiobook for shakespeare and he's like <laughs> he just stops in the middle of it like who is this it sucks <laughs> and it's really funny it's 10 minutes long it's probably on youtube you can check it out that's right well obviously he wasn't reading titus andronicus <laughs> Yeah, no, that's brutal. Yeah, that's the most violent. I, dude, that would be an awesome metal album. Turning Titus Andronicus into a metal album. <laughs> dude, I want Main of the Cur to cover that. <laughs> Either that or uh, uh, El Templo Lunar. That'd All be right. Amazing. All right. Um, so two of the big themes in your book, aside from constant uh name-dropping of the music industry, um, are, the, are the rave scene, which essentially raised you, <laughs> and, um, and also this woman, Lynn, who you eventually found... I, didn't say you, I wouldn't really say you found kinky sex together, but you, um, you kind of like came into your own together into the kink world. Yes. A uh, quick summary of the book. It's basically a tribute to the love of my life. She passed away in 2012. It's right at the beginning of the book. It's like, you know it. You yeah, see it coming. That, that's not a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, it's not a spoiler. Um, and what it is, it's a tribute to her. So like anything that doesn't deal with basically something, a theme that does with her, with every every theme is something that has to deal with kind of her, whether it's addiction, even if it's uh, stuff that's I'm not involved, I mean, that she's not involved with addiction, abuse, um, you know, recovery, um, anxiety, anything like that. So I, it's, it goes over a 20 year time. It's a completely true story. And, um, we were high school sweethearts that were 
only have we had a summer romance that lasted about a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, I treated I was horrible. I was I was very narcissistic, very egotistical, very drugged up, and um, I, I was unlike I was unlikable. You know, but even though she loved me, and um, she was very emotionally. She was very emotional, let's put it that way. And we went our separate ways because I was already in love with another woman who I, I, before I even met her, I was like, you know, we went our separate ways and we both got married to a very abusive people. And um, but then we, we find each other again. So it's a story of second chances. And one of the ways is that we saved ourselves from addiction and, and poverty and, and just emotional issues through kink. Yeah, through, through through sexuality and expressing our sexuality, and we had this kind of honest sexuality that I like to say we put the bond in bondage. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, I, and I always say this too: it's like we could tell each other everything. We hid nothing from each other at all. From the she saw the worst in me and brought out the best in me. Um, and like I always say, true love is not having to clear your browser history. <laughs> <laughs> That's. That's actually very accurate <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, so I just want to kind of go at the beginning of the book over back to over to the rave scene. Something that I know struck me with my theological brain, the rituals of the rave scene, not just like the getting ready, getting there, getting high, being in the trance of the drugs and the music. That's a distant part of you. You're sober now, but it's a big part of what shaped you. And... Do you think that mindset continues to inform you and uh, how you do things, even though now you're clean? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, it's I'm a very ritualistic person, almost to the point where it's almost OCD-ish. Um, going just like even not just the rave scene, but scoring scoring drugs and doing heroin stuff like that. There's a whole ritual to that. There's a ritual to shooting heroin, putting just to to the point where of putting the spoon in one place and putting the candle in the, or the lighter in the other place. But with the specifically to the rave scene, there's the whole ritual of, you know, meeting up, going out, finding the place. Usually, usually, and we didn't have cell phones in the nineties. So we used to get our tickets from like a record store, like Project Act Records in New Brunswick. Yeah. And then go to, go to the city because we knew it was like near Queens or whatever and then we'd go to a payphone and the payphone would be busy for like a half hour we'd keep on calling and calling and then they're like okay it's under the White Stone Bridge they're like okay <laughs> so a, you know and so there's the whole ritual to that and then the, the one once you're there it's the ritual of um, doing the first circle of walking around just meeting everybody the more you go to raves the more you know people yeah. so you know, you, you find bonds with people and then you do a circle around with everybody and then you split up from the friends you went with, right? And, and you get lost. You, you get lost. I mean, it's like mandatory. Everyone get, is alone at the rave at one point. Yeah. Pulp has a good song called Sorted on Ease and Whiz, and, um, which is speed. And, uh, and it's, it's all about it. It's like, I lost my friends. I dance alone. You know, and, uh, it's very Morrissey-esque. But with drugs. <laughs> I was about to say, didn't Morrissey like have like twelve albums that were just that song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, but um, yeah, it's the ritual of losing your friends and then finding your friends at the end of the night, and then dancing like that one last dance with with all together, yeah. and then going home. Even though you look like shit, you have this 
this kind of enlightenment in you, this, this enlightened experience. And what that has done to me, people say that like the drugs and racing, you know, um, cause problems. Of course they cause problems. They cause deaths and everything like that. But it's been a benefit to me. It's, um, it helped me, it helped me open my mind. It helped me, um, not care about how I dance. <laughs> it, it helped me. Um, it helped me connect with people, and I don't mean like just just make friends. Of course, I made a bunch of friends. I made tons of friends. Uh, shout out to Scotto from NASA. He runs NASA. He does the light. He did the lighting for the limelight. Does now he does the lighting for Moby? Or I don't know if he does now, but now he's like doing politics or something. Uh, but you know, it just it connects you with people in this kind of different way that vanilla people i guess or people who just like don't go out and just like are just stay in suburbs and be yeah. just be boring like you know don't experience life not help, not the party yeah. people but yeah what? people who aren't party people yeah uh, yes exactly okay, that's a good way to put it that's a good way to put it and um it helped me connect with people and help me and that, that even helped me in like my professional life when i dealt with um just anybody when i dealt with people at the store you know, if someone's having a hard time in line at the store, at the cashier, you know, I, I have a calmness to myself because of, of that kind of peace and love and dance and drugs type of mentality um, of the racing. So, it, I mean, it has, I have to admit, it brought more good than harm. I mean, it put me at risk. It, it put me at tons of risk. Um, it may have, it may have taken a bunch of brain cells <laughs> from me, um, but ultimately it, like, if you want to talk spirituality, it like it it made my I don't want to say soul, um, but like it made like the spirit of my or my energy into a more peaceful person. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you you found your Zen because you were constantly throwing That's the a chaos. Perfect way to put it. Yeah. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. yeah. And what is it? You found I found my Zen through what? Through chaos. Through chaos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good. That's good. You should write, man. You write. Uh, academic papers. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I have lots of work on biochemistry if you're interested. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> also about death. Um, and actually, going back to the comment you had made, um, death w is a common, like, is a flip side to, to that scene because of the issue of ODing, and sometimes people get super emotionally attached, like drama is going to be in every friend group. You throw drugs and raves into the mix. Sometimes suicide is going to come into play, um, depending on what was going on. How did you see death impact rave culture being in it? Just be, uh, separate from the Alec affair. I'm talking about just like within smaller friend groups. Well, I lost a couple. I lost a couple friends because a lot of the ecstasy was cut with heroin. Yeah, and. Um, so I lost a couple friends that I remember this guy named Dave in Philly, big dude, nice guy. And at his funeral, right, this is in the 90s, at his, at his funeral, um, we're all devastated. But, like, we have that, we go there, and, and he was very, very popular. We go there wearing our crazy rave outfits. I didn't, I, I, just, I just wore, like, a, um, you know, like a, like a polo, like a, collared shirt and you know but black and you know but and his parents are there and his family's there and and but people there was there was part where people just like put on like that and everyone started dancing like there was because there were so many people and they were all ravers and i don't know if that was disrespectful uh i didn't i didn't really do it because i wasn't really in the mood but like i i bopped my head <laughs> Let's put yeah. it that way <laughs> you know what i mean well, 
that was probably very respectful to his memory, if anything else. Yes, and, exactly. And this is the guy who you wrote about at one point, uh, Potato Chip? Was that? Yeah. The, okay, yeah. I, I was going to bring him up after the funeral also. That was like, like you always lose a presence, but when you're in a super ritualistic, I don't know if atmosphere is the word, but, um, you know, a tight-knit group like that that like sees each other and does like a very specific set of things every time, losing a, like as big of a personality as that, I'm sure that is an impact, especially in a culture, not just American culture, but rave culture that's so much, so much about youth and so much about being in the moment, death coming into it. Definitely, and it happens in every 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 scene as well. Because I started out as a punk rock kid, and then I became like this raver guy, and um, you know, and it, like it, seriously, we're gonna see it in the podcasting community. All these podcasters, we're all friends with each other. I'm not a podcaster, but I do like the tours, and the, I, I do podcast a bunch of podcasts, and I'm friends with a lot of podcasters. And I met you when you were on my friend's podcast. <laughs> what? I met you when you were on my friend's podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Oh, shout out to Off the Cuffs and Max and Max and Dick. Those guys are awesome. Shout out to Max um, and Dick. Yeah, <laughs> even though, but I always say that, like, what they're sadomasochists and they like humiliation. So fuck them. They're pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they're awesome. They're they're really they're they're really just genuine, like, cool people. And um, but anyway, like, it's it. There's a, a scene being created, and there are rituals within the podcasting scene now where it's. Not only do we do other people, we do, we do each other's podcasts and stuff, and, and we help each other out, and we promote each other. But I mean, even I'm sure before I before I'm on a podcast, I like I do the, I test I test the microphone, I do a sound check to make sure it works. I do this, I did like I like, I check the perimeter of the house to make sure like like nothing's like noisy or the, the dogs aren't barking. You know what I mean? So I go through that ritual every time, and I'm sure you go through a ritual too with the sound and the you know, and anything like that, and like making, like tweeting or, or, you know, or not tweeting or sending messages through Facebook or Twitter, you know, just to make sure that you're, you're we're set. Yeah, we're set. Okay. But, you know, and then boom, it's a whole ritual. And when it comes to death, we're all, we're all going to die. So it's like, you know, this, we're not, we're not going to be around here forever. So there's going to be a loss eventually in one of our, in this circle of friends, unfortunately. And we're going to all have to deal through that. And, you know, with podcasting, maybe we could, um, you know, talk about that on podcast when one of us goes and, you know, and, and document the, the, the pain of loss, Yeah. you know, and also celebrate the person who, who goes. Yeah. Maybe not Timothy Leary style, but at least like acknowledge it. Yeah. One of the things that this is floating around somewhere on the internet, I don't even remember where I hear this, but I bring it up whenever I do any sort of, um, lecture on dying in the reenactment circuit that death is one per person uh-huh. so it's something it's going to happen everywhere and when it's in a very tight-knit community whether it's podcasting whether it's a music scene whether it's uh even when i was a uh, stuntman the stuntman scene that's it's not really a scene stuntman group of people that's one person dying it's always going to affect a bunch of people and you're always oh, yeah. going to feel the loss Definitely. Well, my new book is called Your Kinky Friends, yes. and it's it basically takes place. It's a standalone book. You don't need to read the other books, but please do read the other books. Um, They're excellent. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Seriously, like I like anytime someone says that, it like it, it chokes at my heartstrings. I'm such a sensitive fucking person. <laughs> um, so it's it's basically what Your Kinky Friends. It's it's my tribute. Every book that I ever write is going to be a tribute. 
to somebody. My chick black nail polish is a tribute to the very first girl I ever fell in love with. And um, uh, Coolest Way to Kill Yourself is a tribute to Lynn, who really was the love of my life. And uh, the coolest, the, your key friends, even that Lynn is back in the book, but in flashbacks. And it's a tribute to the healing aspect of the fetish community. And we can talk about rituals too, because right after Lynn died, I, like, we were really kinky. Like, like I'm talking chassis devices, you know, femdom, sometimes even forced cross-dressing, stuff like that, and pegging, and, you know, um, and I, like, I, and we had such an honest relationship, I was devastated. I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know what to do, and the only comfort I felt was kink, and I felt like I could never, I can't get along in this vanilla world anymore. I, I have to reach out to the kink community. So I contacted some old friends, and I met some new ones, and um, like they all have problems. And I was going through mourning. Like I was, it's really, it's a really emotional book. It's a very emotional book. And I was going through mourning. And what's crazy is that, just like the punk scene, just like the rave scene, it the king community. It seems like, and I think I don't know if this was a sexuality, but because a lot of us seem like outcasts, mm-hmm. and we all come together for a purpose, and and with. With kink, there's and there's a ritual too. Going to a munch, if you meet them, you, of course you got to get ready. You know, you got to make sure you look, you know, decent. You know, you got to find out where it is. You got to, um, you know, maybe usually try to get a reference, or you know, or have you know have someone introduce you into it because that's like etiquette. You don't yeah. always have to, but it's like etiquette. You know, and then you show up, and then you do the and just like the racing. You do the rounds, and you talk to everybody, and then you you split up from your friends, and then you go, you know, and then you find each other again. Um, and just like with any kind of kink play, you know, there's the ritual of getting dressed and getting, you know, you know, um, getting the paddles or the floggers out, or getting the make sure the rope is there. You know, yeah. making sure there's batteries in the dildos. <laughs> you know? Always a mood killer. <laughs> Make sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but um, yeah. So and and that's what your your kinky friends is about. It's about the healing aspect. And it's um, if anybody who liked the coolest way to kill yourself with cheap black, cheap black nail polish will definitely like your kinky friends. It's a very emotional book. I still cry when I every every time I read it. I was it always I'd always tear up. You know? Yeah. And I actually uh, had wanted to get into if you're comfortable. Um, about what that was specifically like, um, going through the morning of a person because becoming so involved in like a daily ritual with, with, especially with something like femdom, because that's a very specific ritualized kink in which the two people involved are very, very important to the dynamic. She was my goddess. Yeah. And so coming back from that. Not necessarily, like, happily, you have a community to fall back on and to support you, but a lot of it is still, you're very much on your own. Yes. And that's exactly what I tried to capture with your kinky friends. Yeah. Like, seriously, that's exactly what I tried to capture. And I was devastated. For most of the book, I am, I am sad. <laughs> most of the book, I am, you know, and especially, like, you see it in the flashbacks, because of the flashbacks of the book, there's four flashbacks, um, Breakfast, Lynn Memory 1, Breakfast, Lynn Memory 2, Lunch, Lynn Memory 3, Dinner, Lynn Memory 4, Dessert. I read Lynn Memory 2 live, the live show at Off the Cuffs. Yes, I remember. That was that was great. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And what I wanted to do is capture 
how special our relationship was and how intense our relationship was. Um, and then it goes back to me being like kind of just kind of stumbling through life and trying to find some kind of peace within the pain of loss and find peace within the King community. And um, it's exactly what I try to capture in the book. Another thing that I definitely wanted to, uh, to, get, your, to get your opinion on, Anybody with mourning is going to, when they're in mourning, they, uh, they get a lot of people who are in, trying very hard to comfort them, make them feel better with good intentions, and they do it wrong. But I know, <laughs> so in terms of reaching out and finding comfort in the kink community while also having this whole vanilla life that you realize that you, this isn't you anymore, you need to reject this, did you need, find that you need to make a very strict balance and separation of the two? Because you'd known... Lynn since high school, so um, I'm sure that there was a lot of you trying to pull yourself together and get the pieces together and heal with your friends and on your own, but at the same time you had um, so many people throughout your life who weren't part of the, the kink world trying to, you know, be there with, you know, like cake. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what, what's interesting is the, the vanilla people in my life, like my parents, they, they, they were there. My mom, my mom is a very loving person. My parents are really cool. What I mean, cool is mean like they accept me for who I am. You know, I'm out when it comes to the kink aspect of it. So like they, they just don't want to hear about it. <laughs> um, but when she died, I had to move back in with my parents. And um, and I, I basically the night I arrived, or no, not the night I arrived, like the next day or a couple days later. You know, they bought me this really expensive dinner from one of our favorite restaurants, and and I told them the whole story. I didn't tell them the details about the kink, you know, but I told her her story, not necessarily mine, but hers, like with the, the prostitution aspect, the, the the abusive husband, you know, all that. And they were just like floored. So their way of comfort in a vanilla way was to kind of just listen to me and be there for me, and just to say, look. We're here if you need me. We're here if you need us. And then, you know, when I wasn't, on my downtime, when I wasn't working or going out doing kink stuff or, or hanging out with the kink community, like, she just watched, my mom would just, like, watch TV with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. We watched, like, Arrested Development. <laughs> you know? And, um, and, 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 and like, some, some movies every once in a while, like, on Sunday mornings or Saturday mornings, you know? Um, have breakfast together. It was just something that, like, their way of, of, of I guess, uh, not healing me, but, like, comforting me was just to just have that energy where, like, we're here for you. We're here for you. So, like, when my brother, yeah. my, my brother has, I have two brothers, and one of them has a, I don't want to mention names or anything, but, but one of them has a kid, and in a very judgmental way, the, my niece told, asked my, my parents, um, you know, why does, why does, why does Nicholas live here? Why does Nicholas live here? Why does he live on his own? And like my dad, my dad can say, say better because he goes, because Nicholas lost the love of his life and we're here for him. So it's like, that's cool. Yeah. And like, I like, that was like, I was like, oh, that really, you know? So, um, but the other vanilla people, you'd be surprised. You'd be like, they know I took a week off work. And I never exploited Lynn's death, 
Um, I, you know, but I, I needed to take a week off work. I was just like, I'm, like I, you don't have to pay me. I'm just like, <laughs> but everyone else, everyone else is so busy with their lives, and like they'll say they're sorry. They'll send some flowers, and you know they'll give you a hug, but they'll just move on. You know they don't want to like talk about it. And it wasn't until I found my editor, Melissa. You met her. She did the reading, yes. off the cuff. Yes. She and she's a little bit. She's she's in your kinky friends. Your kinky friends is, is right, at, directly after Lynn dies. You know, and eventually when I when I, I met my editor. Uh, Melissa, she's in it a little bit. That's what's the time period. And um, it was when I started writing. It was when I started writing in the coolest way that I started feeling the sympathy and of other people because they were saying, "You have to write a book about it. You have to write a book about it." And then it was, it was Melissa, Melissa Blair. Um, who who writes one of the forwards for all of my books? Um, who and we edit like out loud. We, we talk the book. I talk. I, I read it to her out loud. She fixes it. She reads it out to me out loud and fixes it. <laughs> and um, and that relationship, that dynamic, um, you know, like we we've cried together because of it. And that was the trend but she's she's kinky as fuck <laughs> you know but that's the thing the vanilla people like even even the kinky people like people have their own lives they're really obsessed with themselves and i understand that i'm pretty narcissistic myself you know um but i, I was surprised on who really reached out to me to say they're sorry you know and reached out for me for comfort you know what i mean yeah so does that make sense? No, it, that, it absolutely does. And honestly, those are all the points that I uh, I wanted to, to cover with you, just because I don't think people realize, whether they're outside of the King community or they're just getting into it or wherever they are, if they're into, in for it so long they don't think about it anymore, the heavy ritualistic element of it means that you're going to feel a loss that much more deeply. And just picking up the pieces, reestablishing a ritual is something that people very rarely stop to examine, which is why I was so um, so interested in your book and definitely wanted to have you on the show. It's it's easy to just, you know, keep on rolling when the wheel's rolling, but when half the wheel breaks off and you have to just figure out a way to keep going anyway. Exactly. That's, you know, that's, that's a whole other thing. Oh, you're going to like my kinky friends. I mean, your kinky friends. You're going to like it. Because it also deals, it deals with not just loss of Lynn, but it deals with loss of other friends. You know, that you grow... That I think that the reader grows to love, you know what I mean. So it's oh, I can't wait. I'm sending you a book right now. Oh, excellent. Well, tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Well, just... Yeah, I, I think the post office is closed at this point. Yeah, post office is closed. <laughs> well, uh, you've been a fantastic guest. Thank you oh, so thanks. much. Um, and is there uh, anything you wanted to make sure that we had a shout out for? Um, like, definitely want to put links. Um, for where people can find your books in the description for the podcast. Is there anything else you want to promote? Would people, would you want people to try and get in contact with you? Oh, um, without a doubt. I, I love talking to people. I love talking to readers. If you have any questions about, um, uh, if you, if you buy the book and you read the book, if you have any questions about anything, whether it's the rave scene, whether it's about records, whether it's about New Jersey, whether it's about kink, whether it's about addiction, whether it's about recovery, like 
whether about whether it's about dealing with loss and death and mourning and how to you know how to deal with that. Um, please reach out. I I love talking to people. I'm extremely social. You can you can catch me on Twitter at, at Nick Nicholas Tanik. You can catch me on I'm all over Facebook. Um, I'm on there like constantly. Facebook and Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Um, I would like to definitely give a give a shout out to Max and Dick from Listen to Off the Cuffs BDSM podcast if you have any interest at all in BDSM cake. It's really educational and it's very funny. I'm and, definitely going to put a link there. Yeah, definitely put a link there. I mean, I'm not. I I I, I support the podcast and I, I talk about it all the time. I'm, I don't. I'm not involved in it though. It's not my podcast. Like I've been on two episodes and I hope I'm on the more. Um, Hopefully, we're going to throw a party, uh, a Your Kinky Friends release party um, at the end of, I think, July or something like that at Rancor. And um, what's that? There's some other podcasts that were really cool. Black People Kink. It was a cool podcast um, that I did. I'm doing I'm doing a whole bunch. Uh, Proud to be Kinky is another one. Um, you, I have a website. It's not much of a website. just links to the books. But it's it's going to – we're going to read version it's called the coolest way.net the coolest way.net yeah and just feel free to reach out i'm on fet life at uh witty banter my name is witty banter that's it's great so i mean i like these books saved my life i if if it wasn't for the creativity i i probably would have turned to drugs or crime or, or just I, I would have done something stupid you know <laughs> you know what i mean so like they really, they've opened up such a door to to other people and me meeting other people, and like for example, I, I had lunch with Jim Reed of the Jesus Mary Chain last year. I would I would have never have done that if I ever haven't wrote the coolest way. I wrote the coolest way. The the friend of the girlfriend who's who Jim Reed goes out with, you know, read the read the book, loved the book, and they're like, yeah, Jesus Mary Chain, I'm playing like couple shows in america you want to have lunch with jim i'm like yeah <laughs> you know he had a cheeseburger yeah um i had i did a whole show on network awesome with tom sharpling on the best show who's one of my heroes um i just like i started meeting people and talking to people like everybody from the the dead milkman to um kevin allison uh from the risk podcast yeah, risk is uh, awesome yeah, and I just, it just, it really opened up a lot of doors for me. So I just, even though it deals with a lot of negative issues, such as drug addiction, more, more I mean, loss, mourning, um, you know, abuse and everything like that, I, I, I like to think I chose to create that and made it positive, use creativity to try to make something positive from it, and also something authentic and from the heart. No, it, it definitely, you could tell that it was from the heart, it definitely you could tell that in your writing. And I'm definitely going to make sure all those links are in the description. Um, thank you. And are there any uh, music reviews on any of those uh, sites? Or... <laughs> no, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> you know, I'm going to start doing that, actually. Um, Surprise. I'm going to start doing that. You I'm used, definitely going to start doing that. I was thinking of doing classic albums. I was actually, I did. I started a podcast. I didn't put it out yet. Um, uh, it's called Forced Record Reviews. So I take a, a guest, I make them listen to a record, and then you know they listen to it, and then and then we ha and like we sit down and we, we talk about it track by track. Oh, that's kind of um, cool. So, like they don't know what they're gonna listen to. It's just whatever you decide you're gonna. Yeah, they listen to it like an hour before the podcast. Okay. You know, but it's something that like I like for so my, the first episode with this guy Phil Connor from um, 
from the band Glazier, and and the band also the band ex-wife, um, and he runs this, a recording studio in New Jersey called In the West. And um, yeah, if you're in New Jersey and you you, you need podcast space or rehearsal space or, or a recording studio, check out In the West. Um, and I made him. I played this Go Kart Mozart. I don't know if you ever heard of Go Kart Mozart. The name the name rings a bell, but I know for a fact I don't have any of their music. It is it is it is so weird. It's like weird, really obscure Brit pop that is so like electric. It, it, it sounds like it's like it sounds like everything like, I listened to in high school. <laughs> well, no, no, it's really kind of unlike anything. Um, it's like if you walked into It's a Small World and everything is like synth and like some guitars and you know, but but he's talking about like methadone and, and, and electro electro sex and stuff like that and he, you know it's just really weird stuff okay so so it's like that one guy but a bad acid trip version of that one guy <laughs> it's it's really weird and, and he hated it i love it because i find the humor in it you know but he hated it. he's like through the, whole, through the whole episode he's like just no <laughs> I'll send you. I'll, I'll send you like some files on it. Uh, he's out there. He, he used to be in a band called Felt. This guy Lawrence, who's in Go Kart Mozart, used to be in a very, very good band called Felt from the eighties. Nice. And um, if you out there want to talk to, talk to me, uh, you can email me at drinkingwithgod at gmail dot com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, and you can subscribe to us on Podbean and iTunes. And you should definitely buy some T shirts, stickers, and mugs. They say things like. Ask me about my death anxiety and non <laughs> and non fui fui non sum non curo, which is Latin for I was not, I have been, I am not, I do not care, which was a common saying on tombstones for those in the audience who uh, took Latin, which is probably just me. So, again, thank you for listening and uh, stay weird out there. Oh, my God.